Welcome back, everybody. This is another episode of Conversations on Inares. My name is Joseph Orozco. I am one of the co-directors of the Inares Project for Alternative Futures. The Inares Project uh, is a forum for conversations about ending oppression, exploitation, war, and empire. And on this program, Conversations on Inares, we discuss uh, how to envision alternative futures with activists, scholars, organizers, helping us to try to imagine what to do using the radical imagination to envision alternatives. My guest today is someone who I'm very excited to uh, share with uh, you all today. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Jesse Cohn. Uh, he is Associate Professor of English at Purdue University Northwest in Indiana. And he's written an article in the latest uh, issue of uh, Perspectives on Anarchist Theory, number 33, uh, that came out this year, called Demodernizing Anarchism. Now, I invited him here today to talk to us a little bit about this idea of demodernizing anarchism. Let me first begin by introducing uh, Dr. Cohn. Dr. Cohn, uh, as I mentioned, uh, teaches at Purdue University Northwest. His research is into 20 and 21st century uh, literature uh, and pop culture, um, but particularly the cultural history of anarchism. He's also a member of the board for the Institute for Anarchist Studies, which publishes the perspectives on anarchist theory, amongst other things. Among uh, Professor Cohn's publications are a couple of things that are notable. First, uh, a book that he published with AK Press in 2015 called Underground Passages, Anarchist Resistance Culture, 1848 to 2011. And he has a forthcoming book with the University of Mississippi Press in about a year uh, called Hot Equations, Science, Fantasy, and the radical imagination on a troubled planet. So welcome, Jesse. It's a pleasure to have you on here. All right. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. It's an honor. Um, I wanted to talk to you about this essay that I found very fascinating that, as I mentioned, is in the latest issue of Perspectives on Anarchist Theory. Uh, the title of it uh, is Demodernizing Anarchism. And so I wanted to uh, touch base with you a little bit to find out uh, um, uh, your your background and your uh, expertise in anarchism and to talk a little bit about this article. Um, we'll be able to link the article. It's on the um, uh, uh, Institute for Anarchist Studies website, and I'll link that in our notes. But uh, I wanted to first talk with you about your background. Um, how did you first decide to become a scholar of anarchist thought? Many of your publications and your presentations in the last, say, decade have been about the cultural history of anarchism. Mm -hmm. So how did you decide that this was a, a path that you wanted to pursue in uh, your scholarly life? Well, um, my, my superhero origin story <laughs> kind of starts... Uh, on on this back road in 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 uh, the the Rocky Mountains in Colorado, I was, I was on on a summer trip with with some friends, and we stopped at a a, a roadside uh, yard sale, and I, I picked up this really interesting looking paperback, which was the the essential works of anarchism, um, edited by Marshall Schatz, uh, and I started 
reading in the car at you know about Anna Goldman and Alexander Berkman and I, I just kind of fell in love. So um well let me ask you about that that sort yeah. of early um uh fascination. Um what does anarchism mean to you now uh that you've had time to think about it after all these years? Uh what fascinated you about this perspective, this way of thinking? Um why did it become something that you decided that you wanted to devote your work toward? Ooh, um, that's, that's a bunch of questions at once. Let's see. Um, okay, so what, what does anarchism mean to me? Um, it's it's a you know most centrally opposition to to oppression and domination. Um, you know, in in, in all forms, uh, including especially um, cap capitalism and the state, and uh, you know, and, and you know, th think thinking about that in all, all sorts of different dimensions in terms of um, racism, sexism, uh, and and uh, other other kinds of um, oppressions that the people face. Um, I think that one of, one of the distinctive features of, of anarchism is is that that it, uh, typically it it it, uh, it emphasizes this the union of, of means and ends um, that that. Uh, we, we we don't we don't believe that that uh, there's there's any any point to capturing the state in order to 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 uh, to use it to to somehow um, so, solve our problems um, because uh, we, we we can't we can't get get to the future that we want um, by imitating the uh, or, or sort of uh, embodying the the worst things that, uh, about about our present. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. I appreciate that. That makes sense to sort of lay out the the perspective. Like, why did this idea of uh, this this political philosophy emphasizing anti-oppression, anti-capitalism? Why did this become something that you wanted to devote your scholarly life toward? Um, well, I, I I really sort of in 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 college, I I, I started to get the idea that that. Um, Maybe this this was not just a uh, you know, fascinating subject in its own right, um, but also um, kind of a subject position, right? A, a, um, a, a lens to look at the world through, um, and that you could see things through through that lens that that you would would not see otherwise. Um, you know, so I I started lo looking at at, um, at elements of of colonialism and and so forth in in uh, in, in in things that I was reading and. And and th thinking, okay, um, how, how can how can we expose expose that 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 sort of um, late latent colonialism, right? And and Kropotkin came to my aid. So not just a uh, uh, it became sort of a methodology for you in, in terms of the kinds of reading that you wanted to do with the literature that you were focused on, but it also touched you personally in a way. Uh, it seems mm -hmm. that it was something that became part of uh, your own political stance. Can you talk a little bit about uh, why it spoke to you at a personal level in any kind of way? I, I basically hated capitalism and the, and the state um, and, and uh, you know, and, and really sort of, sort of uh, uh, understood on, on, a, on a pretty uh, fundamental level how, how much of a, um, a travesty the, the various kinds of authoritarian co communist uh, revolutions had had been, um, and I knew I knew that something better was was possible. Mm. 
So it was a sort of a, a kind of trying to find a, an alternative to authoritarian capitalist structures and authoritarian yes. uh, sort of communist Soviet uh, uh, and other kinds of ways of thinking that there had to be some other kind of way for a radical perspective to take. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, well, I, I wanted to talk mostly about this this uh, essay in which you bring up so many of these different kinds of themes that, that have been part of your your work for a while. Um, so uh, in this article that uh, is entitled uh, Demodernizing Anarchism, you you begin by talking about how anarchism, this political perspective that we're talking about, is often talked about, is often theorized as a as a European political philosophy that has its origins in Europe, but then spread worldwide. Uh, it spread globally. So even yeah. if there are different kinds of anarchism in many different regions in the world, Latin America, Asia, and so forth, uh, the core of it, the, the core concept of it appear to be European in origin. Could you explain what you mean by that? Okay, so one one way of telling the story of anarchist history is is to is to to to, to give it this genealogy, which um, you know is, is fascinating in, in its in its own right. Like you know how how did how did anarchist ideas travel from from uh, Proudhon and Bakunin um, all, all the way to, to, to China um, in the, the early twentieth century? Um, how, how did how did how did anarchist ideas land, land in, in in Australia and and uh, in, in parts of Africa and 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 Latin America particularly, um, you know and 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 uh, to to some extent the, uh, the those those core ideas and and uh, and and even even uh, those those uh, those images those uh, those, those symbols um, become become uh, locally flavored um, as as it were right P people. Find find their their own uh, particular sort sort of um, uses for for them, um, and and reinterpret them in in, in local ways, um, but but the genealogy is still still pretty clear, um, and this while this is a satisfying story to tell in, in a bunch of ways, um, it it leaves out a whole lot of what what uh, what anarchy is 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 uh, is really about. Um, there's it leaves out. All those for for whom, um, as, as as the saying goes, we uh, we get anarchism from our grandmothers, right? As as opposed to from from these these sort of canonical texts. Right, right. So, so I, I guess I should qualify that part of it is you're saying is a kind of anarchist theory uh, is what you're sort of tracing in this genealogy, a way mm -hmm. of thinking about certain key you know, uh, central texts that then got picked up by activists and then uh, uh, sort of spread globally, uh, as right. opposed to the kind of way, you know, we might say, I don't know, the kind of a James Scott kind of a, a notion of anarchist practices that are embedded in everyday life. So we're talking actually, we're not talking about that kind of thing. We're talking about the, the ideas, the high theory that gets globalized uh, in, mm -hmm. in, in a certain period. Uh, but a lot of that is the globalization of certain kind of key ideas in, found in high European theory. Sure. Yeah. And, and there, there, there are interesting interactions between those, those different traditions yeah. um, all, all along the way, right? I, you know, Proudhon and, and, and Bakunin and Kropotkin were, in in some parts uh, inspired by um, ex examples from from uh, uh, other other kinds of cultures and and traditions. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In particular, 
Yeah, very much so. I mean, there's been so many really good recent books talking about the development and the origins of this high European theory, uh, and not just theory, but you know, uh, uh, organizational practice. I'm thinking of Zoe Baker's uh, new book, uh, Ways and Means, uh, which I think is a really great history of that kind of European, uh, that, the development of European anarchism in that kind of way. Um, but you know, uh, Zoe's very clear to sort of say, I'm only talking about the sort of development in Europe and not so much the important global history of anarchism. Um, and that's part of what you're talking about here is indicating that this was a spread from those ideas uh, outside. Um, so one of those regions in which right anarchism uh, spreads and takes root is in North America, in, in the United States, um, uh, with some folks that you talked about before, right? Some big figures that were part of that uh, immigrant push to bring anarchist ideas, Emma Goldman, Alexander Berkman, and others. Um, so uh, in, in, in theory today, we often hear uh, different voices, uh, for particularly from many different kinds of Native American scholars who have been saying, when we think about radical leftist theories and politics, uh, we need to be considerate and think about forms of decolonization. So some Native uh, American scholars, for instance, talk, uh, have long talked about the importance and the need for the decolonization of theory and political practice. Now, this is something that you bring up in your article as well. You acknowledge that there are these calls for decolonization. And I was wondering, uh, could you explain a little bit about uh, what that call is about that you are acknowledging and recognizing as something that needs to be thought about and done in leftist theory in North America? Well, the, 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 the word decolonization, um, yeah, and, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's been bandied about a lot in the academy to, um, to the point that, that uh, a, a couple of, of uh, Native scholars, uh, Kay Wayne Yang and, and uh, Eve, T Eve Tuck, um, had, had to write this this very sort of forceful uh, dec declaration that that um, uh, you, you can't just use this as a metaphor um, for 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 whatever kind kinds of, of cool methodology you want you want to uh, talk about. Um, it has it has to mean uh, giving the land back and and so forth. Um, and I, I, I take that to heart. Um, that's that's a, a an important insistence. Yeah, I, I take it that part of the the call by some of these uh, by these theorists is to say that, um, you know, if we're if we're thinking about uh, thinking about looking for frameworks and perspectives for uh, radical uh, collective liberation in in the world or particularly in the Americas, that we should be cognizant, particularly of European theories that might have been involved in colonization or that justified colonization. So your, your article is beginning by thinking about European theory and you acknowledge that there are these calls for decolonization, which means to think carefully about the ways in which practices and theory perhaps have been used to justify uh, settler colonialism in in yes. in the Americas, um, and so you acknowledge that, and you take seriously the call for not just treating it as a metaphor, but that it has to be a part of serious political practice, in addition to theory, 
uh, of any kind of collective liberation process in in the Americas. But you know, the the thing that you do in this article, what I that I find really fascinating is that you acknowledge the radicalness of the call for decolonization, not just as a metaphor. You 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 accept that. That, that that assumption, but then you take your your article in a really, I think, interesting way. Is that you think that uh, the the real thing that we need to start thinking about the what, what we need to start thinking about, perhaps in terms of anarchist theory that that you're calling a sort of primarily European idea, is that we need to engage in a different kind of examination that you call demodernization. Right. right. So not just decolonization, but demodernization. So I find this really fascinating. So I wanted to ask you, um, how do you understand the idea of modernity? What is the modernity that you're talking about? And what exactly does it mean to examine how that idea of modernity shapes political philosophy like anarchism? So first, what do you mean by by modernity in this context? Okay. So. Um... There's so many competing de definitions of, of the word, but roughly, I, I understand by by modernity, um, a, you know, a period of time of about, about five, five five centuries in in, in depth um, that that uh, that really sees the the rise of of um, the, the the modern state and the emergence of capitalism, um, and and those those twin institutions really really kind of define the heart of, of modernity. Um, it it, uh, it it has some some fruitful results in 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 a, in, a, in a bunch of different ways. It, it, it launches um, the, the the whole sort of rights regime that that we're we're used to, um, and that that affords some some shelter for for uh, for folks like you and me. Um, but you know, taken as taken as a whole, I, I think it's it's uh, it's it's something to be. Questioned and 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 uh, perhaps re rejected in 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 on block, right? Um, I think we we can sift out some some things that that uh that we, that are worth carrying forward, but um, the 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 sort of total program of, of modernity, I, I think we we uh, we might consider leaving behind. Um, and, and I think that that's that's where we have to think about. Um, how anarchism itself is kind of a, a product of modernity, um, mm. and and, and uh, became sort of a missionary for for modernity, um, as was entering, um, say, say Brazil and 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 Argentina, and the U.S. and so forth. Um, it's it's a it, it becomes uh, another sort of colonial force um, that that uh, you know is, is swept, swept along um, by by waves of immigration, which are which are also waves of colonization. So let me see if I understand this correctly. The, the the way that you're sort of understanding modernity here is a kind of worldview that develops uh, at a certain kind of world historical moment, um, primarily European. I'd say not not just a worldview, but but a um, really a, a a social a social system, right? Um, right. Um, very 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 concrete as as well as as well as a mental. Um, right. Right. right, so a, a kind and, of a and it, yeah, it really does does kind of uh, stem from Europe and 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 spread spread out to to colonize the rest of the world. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's a this kind of a, a perspective that uh, influences the development of economic, social, cultural institutions that becomes a sort of globalized perspective, but that sort of shapes everyday mm -hmm. life in a variety of different ways. 
the the features of this thing that we're calling modernity are um a kind of view about if i understood what you said in your article a certain kind of view about the relationship of uh, knowledge to the scientific method um yeah a kind of uh reliance on capitalism as the predominant um economic driver mm -hmm. um and primarily a sort of kind of an overall sense of history as one is progressive uh mm -hmm. that that it's a linear sort of view of the world moving towards better and more progress both technologically economically yes. ethically and moral right so so progress science capitalism um and perhaps as we're talking about here right a kind of sense of, of colonialism of the importance of this kind of uh domination and empire um yeah and and uh and running through through all of these um uh, uh, you know, part of, part of the mental equipment that, that you're referring to um, is is um, this this uh, profound sense that that the world is split into um, be mm. between the the, uh, the human and and the non-human, um, uh -huh. right? And and uh, the non-human world is is seen as basically kind kind of inert and unchanging. Um, that whereas whereas the the human world is what progresses, what moves, what what uh, develops, right. Um, and right. and, uh, and what is characterized also by 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 logos by language, um, oh yeah. Whereas whereas the non-human world is 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 held to be basically silent and and uh, in a sense meaningless. Right, right. So very good. So right, uh, it, you know, this corresponds, of course, I guess, with you know what we might call like the European Enlightenment, the development of mm -hmm. the scientific method. These ideas of human reason as being the uh, the the sort of central kind of capacity of human beings. And the breakdown of the human world as the apex of of creation mm -hmm. uh, or of the world and everything else being inert objects, natural right. resources uh, yeah. for the use by human beings, right? Uh, I've heard this view sort of been referred to before also by some folks as like the dead earth perspective, mm -hmm. right? That the earth is there and it's essentially things, but human beings are subjects. Uh, right. And in the colonial sort of perspective, right, to think about this is that some some human beings are more human than others because of the supposed capacity to develop reason. And so part of this is also a mm -hmm. kind of a, a distinction between civilization and uh, non-civilized civilization and, and, and barbarism, civilization and quote unquote savagery. Right. right. So there's all these kinds of binaries that play into this uh, worldview and world setup. Mm-hmm. So if, if I so if I understand that kind of that 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 perspective of modernity, part of what you want to say is that you think that what what we need to start doing now is thinking about the ways in which modernity infects something or 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 has influenced the ways in which anarchism shapes itself. Sure. Um, and so part of what you ask is that, we need to rethink the foundations of anarchism and move it away from the moder modernist assumptions that we've talked about, about human nature, science, technology, right? right? You're, you're sort of thinking, you know, not only do we decolonize something like anarchism, but we need to demodernize it. We need to sort of see if there's a possibility of thinking of anarchism without these kinds of assumptions that have come to us from the, the 1600s uh, from Europe. So what exactly is the, what, what is the alternative 
to a modernist anarchism. Well, it, it might involve learning from those those people for who who get anarchism from their grandmothers, um, right? So so um, I, I I'm I'm thinking here of of uh, you know the the fact that most most of the the societies uh, um, on Earth that, that have have uh, known anything like you know stateless uh, you know not non capitalism. Um, or, or communism um, have have uh, have been uh, indig indigenous societies, right? Um, they they, uh, they they knew some some things about how to how to make that work. Um, that that uh, that we've we've had to arrive at by by different different uh, means. Um, so and and one one of the one of the things that that uh, that typifies again the, the same indigenous societies is, is a, a, a certain attachment to um, to animist ideas um, the, the the rejection of that 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 sort of division between the the, the human and non-human um, yeah so please explain this a little yeah. bit because I think that this is a really important kind of point in your 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 argument is your 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 article is not just a critique perhaps of like the European foundations of anarchism but you also go on to say, there is perhaps some places in which we might think about uh, uh, rethinking uh, an anarchism that don't rely on those assumptions. And as you say, this is by looking at different ways of imagining alternatives. One of these alternatives being mm -hmm. animism. Um, yeah. What exactly do you mean by that? Okay. So um, that, that that process of creating the what you call the, the dead earth, which is a great uh, phrase for that. Um, Max Weber, the famous sociologist, called it a, a project of, of um, Entzauberung, right? which in German means literally, literally kind of demagicking. Um, the the um, and 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 really what 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 that means is is kind of the 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 suppression of, of animism, um, the suppression of of the idea that that um, the the not the non human world might. Also manifest some some human like properties, um, uh, ma manifest uh, sensitivity and and sentience and and uh, in intelligence and and uh, will and, and things like that. Um, and and this this is an assumption that that was uh, that's frequent in, in indigenous societies. Um, the, the idea that, uh, for instance, in, in some cases even stones might might talk if you if you listen the right way. Um, right. So if I understand this correctly, part of yeah. what you're saying is that one of the big assumptions that you might sort of characterize as as part of the the high modernist ideas in, in, in European thinking is this notion of scientific process based on a scientific methodology that separates the known universe into human and non-human subjects and objects, human and non-natural resources. And this was done by you know thank you for bringing that up right this kind of Weberian idea of demystifying the world of, right. of, of believing that everything can be explained through human reason and everything can be labeled and controlled primarily right so this is where you might get something like from uh uh Horkheimer and Adorno right that this process mm -hmm. was really about the control of nature is if, is if you can document it, if you can categorize it, if you can scientifically uh, catalog it, you have then a way of being able to manipulate and control the non-human world. Uh, yeah. And that leads to that sort of dead human or dead uh, 
dead planet kind of view is that the dead planet is there for our use and right. so we can sort of figure out the best ways to efficiently as for Carmen Adorno say make it happen right and so part of what you're thinking about is like we need to get rid of all of that right that sort of emphasis perhaps and think about are there ways in which we can think about our relationship to the natural world perhaps that do not rely on that um that gulf uh, sure. and ask, uh, you know, what can we learn from uh, perhaps indigenous cultures about their relationship to the natural world that sees the natural world as not as objects, but perhaps as potential subjects that we right. must engage in. Um, and, I, you know, there's lots of different examples of this and lots of, you know, deep ecology, different movements in Latin America to sort mm -hmm. of give legal subjectivity to rivers and, uh, yeah. and so forth. Uh, these are all big movements that have been going on in the past, uh, say, 15, 20 years. Um, I'm curious um, how you think that this can influence anarchism. Like, what does it mean to have an anarchism that is demodernized and re-influenced by some kind of notion of animism? Well, I, th I think it, when, when one source of inspiration for me is, is um, sort of digging back through the archive and realizing that and anarchism never fit all that well into, into modernity in some ways. Um, the, the, from the very beginning, um, Bakunin, for instance, uh, when, when he's, he's explaining what, what it means to him to be a materialist, says, uh, for, for us, matter is not the same as, as what, what these, these sort of vulgar materialists ha have in mind, um, the this, this sort of scientific materialists. Um, then for them, matter is this, this dead, dumb, inert, Kind kind of uh, uh, stuff um, that, that just waits for human beings to to act on it. Um, for for us, uh, there there is no such thing as this vile matter. He says, um, it, matter for us is is uh, is active and and has has a, um, a a kind of kind of intrinsic impetus um, that 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 uh, that make makes the the world what it is. Um, so so I, th I think. Then draw, drawing on some some of those those uh those those ideas, um and, and uniting them with some some recent um philosophy, uh, particularly I'm thinking of um not not only the new animists but, but also also the the new materialists, um who who are uh, who are philosophers who who say that again um you know maybe maybe we we need to start thinking of of, of matter as as being much much more much more active maybe invested with with certain kinds of agency even um and and uh think think through what what that what that might mean for for how how we live how do you think that that would change anarchist ideas well um in in all kinds of ways um so so uh i th i think i think that that would change um, our, our stance toward towards uh, toward, towards uh, indigenous cultures for one for one thing. Mm. Um, right right now, uh, a lot of a lot of anarchists who, who are sort of, so, sort of still carriers of the the that idea of modernity um, are, are in are in this sort of utter, utterly awkward position of of um, kind, you know kind, coming to to be involved with 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 things like. Um, you know, the the no new no, no DAPL um, movement at Stand, Standing Rock, um, while, while at the same time not sharing any, any of the, the the premises of of the the people who are who are there defending the land, um, right? Not not believing in in the sacred, not 
not a uh, you know giving any any sort of um, agency to the land itself, um, you know, and and so on. Um, I, th I think we we could probably uh, didn't do better than that. So, so if I understand correctly, you think that there are kinds of ways in which uh, anarchists still today, some anarchists perhaps, are influenced yeah. by the the modernist ideas, so that they would look at some of the kinds of ways that people are seeking collective liberation today, like native uh, native struggles, and sort of be turned off by what they might consider the I don't know the woo woo or the too spiritual mm -hmm. aspects, and they want something sort of more hard and definite. In terms mm -hmm. of thinking about like what strategy and practice and what alternative vision should be, so you think that that kind of attitude can actually be um, a barrier to a productive kind of anarchism today. Yeah, it it, it can come off as a kind of arrogance, um, mm. and, and uh, you know, again, sort of another another form of of uh, white people moving in and saying we we know how to do things better. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Let, let us let us bring bring you. Um, yeah, this one model of rationality, which we'll call rationality. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, you you sort of asked, you sort of have addressed this this kind of idea that I had in my head about my next question. I wanted to ask about you, but mm -hmm. um, um, I guess what kinds of forms of collective liberation does a a, a demodernized anarchism open up for us? Part of this, as you said, you think it might allow us to be able to uh, engage in forms of solidarity that yeah. that modernist ideas sort of stand in the way of. And that makes sense. A mm -hmm. uh, kind of presumption that we know what's up, right? That there's yeah. a certain kind of way of how progress should happen. But I wonder, too, if, if um, you know, just thinking or speculating about this, if you think that there mm -hmm. are, you know, does modernism influence the the kinds of radical possibilities that anarchists envision about what the future might look like um yeah. right if you think about right if, if i understand correctly from you know your understanding about anarchism before right we're talking about like how do we build a uh, a world with no authoritarian oppression that means no domination no exploitation anti-capitalist uh right. non-hierarchical kinds of forms of organization um how do you think that, uh, I mean, do you think that modernism has influenced that vision of, of a future world that we should aspire to? Do you think that demodernized anarchism can provide a way better for us to imagine getting to something like that? Probably. Um, I, I think that, that um, when it comes to, to the anarchist tradition, like like other traditions, um, there, there has to be a, a really careful process of kind of, kind of um un, un, unraveling things and um, uh, book bookchin actually has has this this image that he uses of 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 uh, sort of braided elements of of, of domination and liberation mm -hmm. um being being sort of disentangled um so so i think uh, you know a process of, of disentanglement probably needs needs to happen um we, uh -huh. we need to figure out what uh in, in large part what what anarchism does look like uh, without those those kind of modernist certainties right right no i like that idea right that part of what we need to be thinking about is uh first this 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 extrication these radical uh, kinds of considerations of like what does liberation look like mm -hmm. um uh and 
perhaps, I mean, this is a way in which anarchism can separate itself from other forms of leftism that are much more sort of vanguardist in a kind of way. I mean, it mm -hmm. seems in a certain kind of way that those kinds of notions, uh, one, one thing that anarchism has always striven to kind of separate itself out from sort of authoritarian leftism that's uh, mm -hmm. might be embodied in certain forms of Marxist-Leninism. But that seems now that part of the critique is that some of these forms like that are, are, are grounded in a kind of modernist paradigm of mm -hmm. liberation and progress. And so, you know, part of this might be that we need to rethink the idea of the revolution. Like, what, is the, what, is the, what does the revolution mean? What are we seeking uh, when we try to organize for the liberation uh, towards the revolution? Does that make sense? Or is that part of this modernist paradigm that we need to rethink about what does it mean to live in a free kind of way? Yeah. Um, oh, so, I mean, so, so many elements to think about there. Um, oh, goodness. I, I had a train of thought and then, and then I lost it. Let me <laughs> find, find it again. No, I'm just wondering because I think that, I mean, I, I know that a lot of folks, you know, um, nowadays, right, despair about the future. And I, and I know that your work and your next book is about yeah. these kinds yeah. of things about thinking about the future. But I mean, I think that there's a lot of evidence to suggest that people around the world uh, are really struck by a loss of hope because they don't see a lot of alternatives possible. That it right. seems like we're, we're stuck with climate catastrophe and the kinds of broken systems that we have and thinking about alternatives to that is very, very hard, particularly for young people nowadays. But, you know, the hope has always been there's revolution, there's revolutionary movements, there's revolutionary strategy and practice. There are ways in which if we just, you know, can organize ourselves that we can, you know, build this better world. But your work makes me think, I mean, maybe some of that kind of way of thinking and offering hope is grounded in these modernist assumptions that we ought to really rethink. And if that's true, then what's the alternative? What's, is there a... Mm -hmm. Is there a revolution in a, in an animist anarchism? What would that look like? What would that mean? So I think that this raises a lot of questions and open spaces for thinking about like what does what is the radical imagination for the future from a demodernized anarchist standpoint? Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm you know I'm still committed to to the idea of of massive transformation, right? Um, and and uh, the, the the urgency of of that being being uh, being significant. Um, we, we, uh, we, we, we better change our ways pretty, pretty fast or, or, or we're cooked, um, quite literally, um, you know, at, at the same, same time, um, I don't know, you're asking, you're asking good questions here. Uh, so we need mass action. We need social movements, but yeah. Part of that is just at a certain point for survival purposes now. And this tracks at least, at least with what's going on in a lot of the world today, particularly amongst anarchist circles. So much focus yeah. is on. Uh, you know, sustaining just survival, uh, mutual aid is a big sort of uh, principle underlying a lot of activism going on right now. And then the question is, like, what are we building toward? Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that your work really sort of starts to raise a lot of questions about, like, maybe some of this stuff is, you know, as I said before, infected by assumptions that, you know, we really don't want in thinking about what a liberated free world could be like in the future. Yeah. I think one one thing that that um the that I I'm putting forward is is uh is that uh, a demodernized anarchism um might might look a lot more like like pragmatism and and again there, there's some precedent for that um 
Proudhon says, says some some things that are, that are very close to to the sort of pragmatist philosophy that would, that would would start to emerge only you know decades later. Um, he says you know the, the idea is is born from action and must return to action. In, it, you know otherwise it it, it uh, it's it's corrupted. Um, so right. so by pragmatism you mean like the philosophical uh-huh. movement of like folks like. Uh, William James and and sure. Purse and those folks is, yeah, um, d- you know, um, in in a, in a broad way, uh, the the idea being that that um, uh, in, instead of ha- having kind of kind of a, a, a master plan with with a, with a, you know, this clear and distinct view of of, of um, what what's to be done, um, yeah, we we. Uh, we we muddled muddle through mm. things. We figure yeah. out ways of muddling through things together. Um, yeah. Right. So we, even if if uh, my my ontology my 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 sort of picture of what's what's real um, is is radically different from from yours, um, nonetheless we can find find ways to to work together. Um, pragmatism is is kind of this principle of interoperability. If you want to mm. think about it about, about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. No. William James. William James had this useful. Uh, image of of the, the the corridor in a hotel right that sort of links all the all the private rooms um it's not someplace you you can you know set up a bed and and, and live um but but it, it's a it's a way of communicating between yeah yeah no this, this is fascinating actually uh, uh because pragmatism is one of the areas that i work in uh in my area of specialization in philosophy as well and i do know that william james you know in some of his notes and his writings did often express uh, quite a lot of, um, you know, fascination and affiliation with anarchism, right? He, it's, he, at certain points, he says, I believe I am an anarchist. And, you know, his library is known to have contained, you know, some anarchist uh, reading. So he's familiar with this stuff. And so uh, that sort of idea of that point of contact uh, and sure. pragmatism as a way of moving ahead for anarchism is really fascinating. Yeah, there, there are so many affinities to to to, to be found. Wow, amazing. Um, well, so so I want to ask you this, right? Uh, part of what you said is you're thinking about um, uh, your next book is thinking about um, science fiction, fantasy, other forms of speculative fiction and and and, and literatures and culture uh, for thinking about uh, a radical uh, a radically different future. Um, mm-hmm. um, I, I wanted to ask more specifically about your work. What's the future of your work in anarchism look like? what's the what's the when, what are the next projects that you're interested in that are thinking about anarchism, particularly as part of that radical imagination project? Well, I've, I've been thinking a lot, um, and, and this this is going to be part part of that that forthcoming book. Um, but but it's, it's stuff that I want to develop even further. Um, one 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 sort of source of inspiration for me is is um, this this thread of of um, kind of um scientific thinking that that uh that was popular in, in uh, among among anarchist circles uh in the early 20th century so so um circa 1900 to, to 1940 um you know anarchist newspapers and journals always have, have a science section right um you know to to sort of bring 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 a bring people up to up to date um and and to you know encourage that 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 sort of that sort of thinking and and uh um, in, in in this particular time period, though 1900 to 1940, uh, one one of the ideas that recurs frequently in in those in those pages is um, th- this this particular current of, of scientific thought that 
that talked about um, la, la vie universelle, right? The universal life. Um, the, the idea being that that, um, that that there wasn't a, a strong distinction between living and dead matter. Um, that, that in fact, uh, um, scientists like like Alfonso El Herrera from 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 Mexico uh, were were um, arguing that that if under the right circumstances, um, you know, even these these sort of inorganic uh, mixtures of chemicals could exhibit lifelike properties. Um, could could uh, do do things like like uh, propel themselves, um, you know, divide, uh, form form cell walls, um, produce all kinds of or organic looking uh, structures. Um, um, even now, some some chemists study uh, those those structures under the name of of chembryonics um, or chemical gardens. Right, you can do you can do some some really cool sort of uh, home home science stuff, where where you you grow these things that are um, that, that you know are are, are sort of crystalline, um, but but really don't look like crystals. They they don't look inorganic. They they look like uh, ferns or or like mushrooms or you know these, these various various kinds of um, familiar life lifelike uh, structures, and you know so so for for a while. That those those uh those ideas that particular uh, thread of scientific research um, was was a, a a contender for the uh, theories of, of the origin of life. Um, they you know they they they, they were really sort of on that that that, that territory um, talking about how um, how how life could emerge from from the non living. Um, and they, they got beaten, beaten out um, in, in the in the mid mid twentieth century by uh, the 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 work of uh, Oparin and and uh, Haldane um, and and the, and then the the discovery of DNA. Um, but but uh, some 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 scientists argue that there's there's still some some value in in their work and and uh, um, that. That uh, for, you know, for instance, it might be useful in think, thinking about the kinds of uh, alien life that we that we might encounter. Um, right, 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 but, right. So part so, of this so, is, yeah. So so it's, it's it's all very very cool and futuristic and scientific. Um, but but the 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 thread there um, for for me is 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 that that insistence that um, that that there is no no uh, no sharp divide between the the living and the non living, the the human and the non human. Um, that that even little clumps of chemicals um, can 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 exhibit lifelike behavior, um, movement, purpose. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's 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 strangely both both futuristic and and at the same time um, has has all these affinities with with uh, with very very traditional kinds of thought, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So part of it is uh, uh, kind of the idea that. You know, um, the, the modernist assumption is that there is a certain kind of way to think about the future moving ahead with progress. We do this through scientific understanding of the world and scientific understanding of the world is built on certain kinds of premises or scientism, certain kinds of premises. Your work is sort of really interested in the ways in which um, there are other ways perhaps of even understanding science, the scientific sure. paradigm of the world that perhaps is closer to uh, traditional ecological knowledge, perhaps uh, even sort of traditional uh, um, 
native understandings of relationships of human to the natural world and looking to ways in which that might free our imaginations to think about different kinds of then political possibilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and in some ways, I think that the, you know, the, the work that you're talking about here is really sort of in line too with like the work that uh, David Graeber was doing right before his death too with the, the dawn of everything. Yes. Is, is if you look at some of the ways in which different societies have arisen, you start to see in the archaeological record, he says, there's not a clear path from, you know, uh, hunter gatherers to civilization is that human beings were trying out all sorts of different things and we should no longer be trapped in our imagination and thinking that there's only one trajectory of like feudalism to capitalism to socialism. There right. could be a whole sort of other ways in thinking about how liberation should take place. Uh, your work seems to be part of this is thinking that maybe we can start to think about anarchism as a, as a form and practice that might be liberated from these kinds of uh, imagination traps. Yes, exactly. Um... Hmm. Actually, there's a there's a piece I, th I think I cite in 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 the article of by by David Graeber. Um, I'm forgetting the the title offhand, but but it um, in, in it he he uh, he he actually ventures some some of these these you know very very sort of strange abstract speculations about um, how 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 maybe uh, mind. Is is present in matter even at, at, at the the very lowest kind of kind of levels, hmm. um, as if maybe electrons could have a sense of humor. Um, <laughs> you know, wow! Uh, in, in their in their in their sort of um, unpredictability. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, there's a there's so much more uh, to talk about here. Uh, uh, sort of, and I think there's a lot of rich conversation to have about like what are the implications of your thinking for developing political practice today. Um, that you know you don't go so much into you hint at uh, in your work, but I think just sort of breaking down these assumptions and and sort of uh, laying these out has done really sort of valuable work. I think so. Um, Thank you. We will we will definitely link to the article that you can find on the uh, perspectives on anarchist theory webpage, so that people will be able to take a look at the article, uh, and so we'll have that out there. Uh, for people to take a look at. And we'll also have a link to um, uh, a way of contacting you so that people can ask questions if you'd like. But uh, I hope that uh, this can uh, uh, spur some conversation amongst different anarchist collectives to sort of think about what does it mean to think about a demodernized anarchism? Yeah, thank, thank you so much. No, thank you. Uh, thank you, Jesse. I appreciate your time and everything. Uh, so uh, I hope to have you back for when your book comes out about thinking about the radical imagination to the future. You got it. <laughs> and thank you for spending your time listening to us uh, or watching us, uh, uh, depending on what your platform is. Uh, we are uh, uh, able to be contacted through a variety of different social media. We're on all the socials. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on uh, formerly known as Twitter on X. You can find us on Mastodon. Uh, you can find us uh, also on YouTube. Uh, and you can also listen to us on Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, please go ahead and give us uh, a shout out. Uh, recommend us to your friends. Uh, but we would love also to hear from you. 
about how you think perhaps that uh, uh, we can take some of these insights to build further anarchist political practice. How could demodernize anarchism help you in your political work? We'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, so please give us a, a, a shout out, uh, get us a, a, a comment uh, and like us below, as they say. Uh, thanks, uh, Jesse, appreciate your time and uh, hope to see you very soon. All right, thank, thank you again. Take care.